heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. What has happened to America? We used to be able to disagree and still be friends. But in today's America, the left cannot talk to the right without anger about the issues that concern us all. We have lost the art of civil discussion. The country is deeply divided. And if we no longer have the ability to talk out our differences, we will lose everything that we cherish in this country. Welcome to the Voice of a Nation. I'm Alana Friedman, your guest host, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud. Today we'll be doing something a little bit different. I have two special guests, and we're going to spend the next hour hoping to demonstrate that civil discussion is not a lost art, that we can talk with the people with whom we disagree and still be friends. So let's get started. Today we're going to talk about something that has been bugging me for a long time. The art of civil conversation has all but disappeared in this country. And I want to demonstrate to our listeners that it is not dead. Because my guests today are two people who don't necessarily agree with me and don't necessarily agree with each other. But we're going to talk about something that I think is very serious, and we're going to demonstrate that we can do this civilly without hating each other and without killing each other, at just have the conversation and maybe learn from each other or agree to disagree. My guests today live in a suburb of Seattle, and what we're going to discuss is what it was like to live in the area outside of Seattle and to work in Seattle before all the riots of 2020. And then I want to ask them what it was like during the riots and what has happened since the riots. So my guests today are Terry Gerard, who is an artist, and John Cornell, who is a mechanic. And they both live in a suburb just outside of Seattle. And this is what we're going to talk about today. So welcome, Terry and John. Thank you. And thank you. Uh, thanks for being on the show. I guess what I would really like to hear from you first is what it was like, why you, why you lived outside of Seattle, and what it was like. Seattle used to be a very vibrant city. What was it like to live and work in Seattle? It was awesome. So fun. Seattle was lots of people, beautiful architecture, a lot of cultural events. It was just very lively and exciting to go into. And you, you worked in, in Seattle, Terry? Yes, I did. I actually worked in the area where they set up the CHOP area. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But, but what, what kind of work did you do then? 
I was working at an art supply store. It was great. That particular area of Seattle had a lot of artists, had a lot of different types of people living there. What about uh, restaurants and, and coffee shops, uh, things like that? Lots of restaurants, coffee places. It, it was just, it had, it had a lot for a lot of people. It was fun. People were out walking, just, just enjoying it. And Seattle was just a cool place. And John, you also worked in Seattle, is that yes. right? I'm about four miles from downtown Seattle, working in uh, Georgetown. Really nice neighborhood, got a lot of new development, a lot of new houses going in. They're tearing down a lot of the older ones and rebuilding the whole area. So that's what's going on before the riots. Before the riots. Yeah. So, so Seattle was a pretty good place to live. It actually is. Okay, so now in, uh, I guess it was June 2020, July 2020, the riots began. What was that like for you? It didn't affect us too much right away. You weren't working there anymore, is that Yeah, right? I was still working. Oh, you were working there? Yeah, I was Terry, still working. Terry, were you still working there? No. Okay. I was not. Most of the riots were downtown, so we were far enough away. It didn't have a lot of effect. Traffic was affected big time because they kept blocking the freeways. So yeah. how do you get home other than surface streets? And that blocks everything. Yeah. You were hearing about it and watching it on television. Did it affect you outside of the city? Not so much outside the city, but we can't figure out why the police are letting this happen. But we did have people who, for example, in a very close to us who stood in front of their restaurant with guns mm -hmm. to stop people who were going down there and they were breaking into restaurants. They were breaking into a lot of stores. And so we didn't know if they would skip us or not. And luckily they did. So your friends and neighbors were able to protect their properties? Yeah, we didn't actually have to, but other, other areas south of us did. We were hearing all of the, we were watching the, the, the riots and we were watching the flames and the damage. And then, and then we had this area called CHOP. Yeah. And and mm -hmm. they actually took over part of the city. And Terry, you said you worked there? I worked in that area. I knew it very, very well. And I was absolutely horrified when they took over the police station and ran them off. And just the police didn't even want to go there, although they did import a lot of policemen to blockade certain parts of that area. So they kept, they, they surrounded essentially CHOP, but they, did they go in? No. They never got in the building. They never got in, okay. No. But why could the police not stop this? Why did they run from that station? Because the mayor and the smart city council defunded them. They had no power whatsoever to stop the riots. They can't use tear gas or anything else which they've always used. They're not allowed to enforce the laws that are on the books. So if you stay there overnight, which you're not allowed to do, you can't make a move. When they, when they set up the CHOP area, it was just horrifying to see from the air how these people 
were protesting and the amount of people and also the police lined up on one street to try to stop them or at least to be present and it was it was horrifying on both ends so you were watching this on television and you knew the area and this was all familiar to you so it yes. when you say it was horrifying it must have been i mean yes. it's been really really terrible to see places where you worked and where you enjoyed Seattle suddenly become no man's land. Yes, and I remembered that the protesters took over a park that was one block from where I worked. And so all these places that they were taking over and protesting and everything else, I knew exactly where they were. So that made, made it very personal for you? Yes. That was something that I think a lot of us who were not there, we watched it and it was horrifying to us to see a city be destroyed that way. A beautiful city. Be yeah, but it didn't, you know, it wasn't personal to us. We were watching it in Seattle. We were watching it in Portland and Los Angeles and New York and Chicago. And this eventually resolved itself to a, to a point. But it didn't. You're saying it didn't it's resolve. It's still going on. It's still going it's, my gosh. It kind of resolved itself because they finally took away the barriers around the chop area. Mm -hmm. And luckily, or, well, we'll have to see, but Seattle got a new mayor. Yeah. He was on the city council. In fact, he was president of the city council before. So we're going to have to see uh, how he does, but... He is for getting back the police force and building them up again, which I think is is the best thing that can happen in Seattle at this point. There's only one problem I see with building up the police force. Why would you want to come to work for Seattle when he bas they basically deserted the police? So why would you want to come and work here? Now you still have the same governor? We still have the same oh, governor. Oh, we have the same yeah. governor. He's... All he's doing is raising taxes. He isn't doing nothing else. I used to like him, <clears throat> yeah, but I, I don't. Uh, I wouldn't vote for him again. But he doesn't get what's going on apparently because, I, I what I what I don't understand is how the people who lead the states like Washington or Oregon or California or New York, how these people are so unwilling to understand what the people who elected them really need, that they need to feel safe walking down the street, that they need to be able to go to work. I think what they really are concerned with is feeling safe themselves. It's not happening in their backyard. It's not happening at their house. Yeah. So it's yeah. not affecting them. Actually, we did. they did have protesters at the governor's mansion down mm -hmm. in Olympia. Mm -hmm. And they were there, and then they erected these fences. So these people have security, and they have fences around their property, and they, they're, they're safe. But what about the rest of the people in Seattle? They're not safe. And what happens when you, when you go into Seattle or when you live well, there? You're just afraid to go downtown anymore. You're going to have to carry a gun if you want to go, because there's no protection. Put this way, you've got all the homeless people everywhere in Seattle, camped on the sidewalks or the streets, blocking cars. They're not made to move. So one of the examples of coming out of the courthouse in Seattle, 
or going into the courthouse in Seattle, you're going to get mugged. And they have mugged almost everybody that's gone in and out of that wow. courthouse. They wow. finally moved that encampment, and I'm sure they went maybe a couple blocks away. So what happens is they keep trying to clean up these encampments, the homeless people, and they just show up somewhere else. So they had an instance where one of the guys decided to start throwing bricks over the overpass onto the highway and onto cars, windshields, um, whatever. Now they're drive-by shootings. So you really, you really have a problem in, in Washington. It's, it's not just in Seattle anymore. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's all over. It's mainly in the Seattle area. So you, you have you have a situation where you've got where you've got a city that is essentially dying. Actually they had a move or a program, yeah. a documentary about the dying city and it was Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they documented what is going on in Seattle. And nobody has what it takes to clean it up and make it what it was. Well, it's going to take them a few years to even start to get this cleaned up. They're they're trying to get back, and we're having concerts now, and having things and restaurants are either coming back or they've moved somewhere else, and they're coming back somewhere else in the city. I have not been in Seattle since. I think it's been about two years. Wow. And you used to be there every day? No. Well, when I was was working working, there, I used to be there. But I used to go into Seattle quite regularly for art, to the galleries, or to eat, or whatever. And it's just not happening. Somebody says, let's go to Seattle. And I say, no. Let's go to Bellevue instead. That's the traffic is the worst. <laughs> but it's better than Seattle. But it's, sa- but it's safer. Bellevue. Yes, it is safer. How much, it, how much of Seattle is, is spilling over into places like Bellevue? A lot of businesses are moving to Bellevue. They're leaving uh, downtown yeah. Seattle. So Seattle is really dying. Yes. Yeah, I think Amazon just said that they're thinking of moving their headquarters because of the crime. Well, it's a combination of the crime and the new taxes they're trying to do on the big businesses. They want to tax them by how many people they have working there. So any big business in Seattle is getting taxed to death. So they're just leaving. Well, that makes sense. If you have an environment that's not friendly to business, business is going to go somewhere exactly. else. And exactly. Now, now you're getting all the homeless people because they're running out of jobs or they <laughs> cannot afford the housing they have now. They have boosted housing one month you're going to pay something if your lease is up it goes up five hundred dollars on your your rent how can you afford to do that you can't people are just getting greedy and everybody's having to live on the streets now but i think that there's another side to that and i think that because the government was paying out so much money to people for the pandemic relief that they just decided, hey, why should I work if I'm getting more now than I was when I was working? What happened to the people who actually lived in these areas, in in CHOP, for example? I'm not sure what they did. I know there was a bunch of people killed in the CHOP area. People who lived there? Yeah. Wow. The rates, the rents, the housing market just shot through the roof. How is that even possible when the city is half destroyed? People move out. 
corporations buy by the housing. That's what yeah. they're doing. The corporations, so the corporations are coming out. So they're not living there, but they're going to rent them out for exorbitant fees. And but who's going to come sell. live there? Uh, well, people who mm. still want to live in Seattle. We actually have a housing shortage in Seattle. Mm -hmm. They're building houses as fast as they can, and we wow. still have a housing shortage. Yeah, exactly. And when you bid on a house, there are people who pay over the asking price just to get in there and get into that house. An average house sells in one day. This is something that, that I, I'm, I'm having difficulty wrapping my head around. <laughs> it's because it's, it's so opposite to, to logic that exactly you, you, you have a city where their crime is out of control and yet people are fighting to buy property. I thought with the pandemic that it would affect us really negatively, so negatively economically, which it, it actually did because it outpriced a lot of things. I thought you would be able to buy a house for half the price. You would think property values exactly. would go down. Exactly, and they didn't. That is amazing. Now hold on to that thought because right after the break, we will be back to continue this story about how the city of Seattle died and how the comeback is continuing to drive people away. I'm your host, Ilana Friedman, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation, and we'll be right back. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Surely if you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. You can listen in on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years. Brush, floss, repeat. We're told to use fluoride, which doesn't really address the acid-creating bacteria. That is where the dentist-recommended Spry Dental Defense System shines. Spry products contain xylitol, a natural sugar, which helps get rid of those nasty, smelly, acid-creating bacteria in our mouth. The best way to care for your teeth and gums is by using Spry. The Spry Dental Defense System has a wide variety of products, toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and chewing gums that are designed to work together to keep your teeth clean and mouth healthy and smelling sweet all day long. To get your oral care back on track in an easy, effective, and very tasty way, switch to Spry today. Ask your dentist about Xylitol and the Spry products. 
where I can be found online and at all fine natural product retailers. Welcome back to The Voice of a Nation. I'm Alana Friedman, your guest host, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud. And my guests today are Terry Girard and John Cornell from Seattle, Washington. We've been talking about what it was like during the riots of the summer of 2020 and what it's been like since. Now I want to shift gears just a little bit and bring in some of the political issues that colored everything that transpired back then and now. So before the break, we were talking about what it was like to be a part of Seattle before, during, and after the riots of the summer of 2020. What I'm trying to accomplish today is to demonstrate that although Terry and John and I don't agree on a number of things, we are still able to have a civil conversation and learn from each other about the way we feel, our opinions, and how we view the world. And I think this is very important in this time when our country is in great division, and we have to be able somehow to overcome this in order to solve the problems that we're facing today. So let's go back to the conversation, and I'd like to know, from a political point of view, how you have viewed what transpired and what continues to transpire in Seattle uh, from a political point of view. How did politics enter into the original attacks on the city during the riots? Basically, the city council took away all the police department's power. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. And was that political? It was very political. Explain. Well, basically, how can you have a government run a police department? Good question. You can't. The police department has to run itself. You can be monitored by the government and made sure you're doing it right, but you can't tell them you can't do this law, you can't do this law, you can't do this law. You can't protect yourself. You can't protect the civil people out here. All you can do is stand by and watch. Now, how much worse can you get than that? You just took all the power away from anybody that protects anybody. And what they did to the police was... Um, they wanted to hire social workers. So, so instead of having just the police, because they said that the police were not qualified to go into, say, a domestic violence situation. So they wanted to have a social worker go in and talk to these people who... Bang, and did. the violence. Yeah, exactly. So that was totally ridiculous. How long did that last? Still going on. Yeah, they're still trying to have that done. And then you start questioning the people that are are in Seattle Council. Do you know the federal government did that as well when we were in Afghanistan? They started something called the Human Terrain Program. And they sent social workers and psychologists over to Afghanistan. And the first two were a, a, a male psychologist and a female sociologist. And they were both murdered by the Taliban. I keep thinking about this guy from the homeless encampment throwing things from the overpass onto the highway and killing people who are just driving by from work or whatever and then have a social worker approach them and try to 
talk with them and whatever. Yeah, why did it's you just, do that? It's just... Didn't you feel well that day? You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Let's go and sit down and have a cup of coffee and discuss it. So what is the government thinking? And these people are not being prosecuted? No. Oh, wow. If, if you get thrown in jail for any of this, you're in overnight because we have too many cases. They have to prosecute. So they're just turning them loose. There, was a, there was a guy recently that killed another person. Mm-hmm. Now, he's been in jail dozens of times for violent crimes. Oh, my gosh. And he is still out on the street. They let him go. The yeah. judicial is not doing their job. Mm-hmm. And the policemen, are, their hands are tied. Is there, is there something political involved in all this? How, how does this play out from a political point of view? Well, we have one city council member who wants to completely change. She doesn't want a Democrat. Or so she took a group of people to the, to the governor, the mayor's house. house, to protest. She also took them to... To inside, the city hall, inside city, inside city hall, and they couldn't get rid of her because her district loves her. I mean, to do that and to take them and protest openly in city hall, a bunch of civilians, and to the mayor's house. She wants to change it to a socialistic. So okay, yeah, okay. Is what so, she wants to do. And this is this is where the politics come this in. Is this where is it's coming in. yeah, okay. So we're talking about. Political movements, really. Yeah. There's a, mm-hmm. a Marxist socialist aspect to it, and a, I guess, Democrat liberal aspect to it. Is there another side to it? Is there a right side to this? Well, that's up, up in the air right now. We're, you, you're not seeing it. We're not seeing much more well, than that. The new mayor wants to rebuild the police mm-hmm. presence. He's a Republican. In in a in a democratic state, basically, right. Um, so and I hope he does. I I sincerely hope that happens. Don't the people want this? That's a good question. They voted in our governor again, and all he does is cause more trouble than he's worth. He, so I don't know what they're thinking. He um he raises taxes. Our gas is through the roof. He added for the adding cars. a dollar to the price of gas. On just taxes. So what now? What are you paying for gas out? In... It's five ninety nine for diesel. Okay. When we left, yeah, four ninety nine for regular gas. Okay, so it's a little higher than than other places, but not but but not low for <laughs> by any no. chance. No. I mean, in California, they're paying what seven seven dollars a gallon. He wow. Just, he just put a new law in starting January first that you have to put part of your money that you earn into a fund for your retirement care. Long-term care. Long-term care. Now, this fund will only pay $36,000. And yet, you're going to put that in the rest of the time you work. Now, how is that going to pay for anything? $36,000 isn't going to take one year even. And you have to consider that this isn't maybe 10 years or 15 years or 20 years down the road. Okay, now... And how much money will you have put in then? Yeah, and if you're putting money in and you leave the state for any reason, you lost that. So that's one ridiculous thing. And then another one is our lottery, our state lottery. Well, that, that money was supposed to be used for schools and for something else. Schools and highways. And it hasn't been used for any of that. 
Now, uh, where's that money going? Which pocket? Into general fund. <laughs> Which goes where? And they do that a lot. Like, the politics there, we voted on getting rid of the kingdom or to keep the kingdom. We voted. What is that? It's a stadium arena. Okay. Okay. And we voted to keep it. They decided that that wasn't good enough, so they tore the, key, the arena down and built two new ones. Oh but my they gosh. built one for the for the baseball, and nobody voted for that. But everybody voted no, but they still built it. So what's the point of voting if you don't get a say anyway? Another good example of them is we voted down our taxes on our car license. Mm -hmm. A car license is $400 a year if you've got a new car. It's supposed to be $35. So we got a, a vote on wow. it. And we dropped it down to $35. And they said it was unconstitutional and put it back. To $400 every year, $300, depending on, on your car. And so that's, you know, that's a lot of money to put down every year. And then where's that money going? Are they, is it going to highways? What is your view of what is most likely to happen next in Seattle? If it keeps going like this, I think it's going to be an open war. Really? Yeah. In, in Washington? Yes. Because people are going to get tired of it. Who are the combatants? It's going to be the politicians against the rest of us. Well, it sounds like the politicians aren't listening to you. They aren't. Now, you both grew up in political atmospheres of one kind or another. I was pretty much, we didn't grow up with too much politics. My mom and dad don't care for politics. Okay. Did they? Basically, you can't change anything by yourself. You can't, you don't really have a say. It's a majority rule. So one person isn't going to change it. I grew up as a staunch Democrat. My family, my cousins, we're all, we are, we call ourselves Democrats. And I never in my whole entire life could have thought that I could shoot a gun at somebody. And now I'm going to learn how to shoot a gun. Does that surprise you? It does when I look back at my life. Yeah, I never... At one time I thought if somebody broke into my house and they had a gun before I'd raise a gun to, to another person, I would let them shoot me. I have heard that before, but I never understood it. It's just um, it's just a matter of wanting peace and wanting to be peaceful in karma. Basically, that's that's it. And now, if somebody threatens me or threatens someone I love, bang. So I think that's happening around the country. I think a lot of people are looking at things at their personal security differently. Right. Uh, I, for my feeling on the government in general, is I don't think they're here anymore for the people. Mm -mm. They're out for themselves. Mm -hmm. Whatever they ever. can do to make themselves richer or more powerful. That's my feeling on the government anymore. I would love for there to be a disclosure <clears throat> on Congress people and the Senate about where their wealth when they came into office and where they are now. <laughs> and also, why the heck can't we have term limits? This is a very good question, and it's one people keep asking, 
and the elected officials keep ignoring. When I ran for Congress in Massachusetts, that was part of my platform, term limits. I was running against a guy who ran on term Mm -hmm. limits and then stayed and stayed and stayed and stayed. And there are reasons for doing that, which have to do with the longer you're there, the more power you have, Mm -hmm. and also the richer you get. Yes. And he he was the guy who came into the uh, who came into the system as a uh, low level uh, political operative, and he left as a millionaire. My feeling on the term limits, what I've been told by the politicians is that they need more time to get stuff done. That's why they don't have term limits. Well, I'm sorry, if you're there for four years only, you're going to work your butt off to get what you want done, aren't you? If normal people have a job and they have a specific goal and they have four years to do it, they will get that done because they're there to do that job. And there's another issue about term limits that I have felt for a long time. If, if you are, you get into Congress and you're there for whatever it is, two years, four years, six years, eight years, etc., no term limits, and all of a sudden you drop out for some reason. You have a heart attack, you decide to change your career, whatever it is, and you're gone. All that power that you had built up disappears, and a new guy comes in at the bottom of the totem pole. So what you've got now is all of your constituents have lost their representation in Congress. And that's something that I think is horrendous because this, everybody is, we are guaranteed equal representation under the law, and this takes it away. Well, the other question you have, how come Congress can't balance the budget on time, like every other job in the world? If I couldn't balance my books, would I still be working? I'm sorry, I'd be fired that, that minute. If that book wasn't balanced on time, you'd be out the door. Why are they still working? When was the last time we had a balanced budget? It still isn't balanced. That's right. But I have a question. Are we really represented? Good question. I, I think what you're asking is, are representatives go to Congress and then represent our interests or theirs? No, they represent their interests. So what are you doing there? I think too many of them are enriching themselves. Oh, absolutely. What I want to know is why is there two, two separate houses? Because all they do is fight. They don't get anything done. Well, the, the reason the Founding Fathers created this was because there was a question about whether the states with the greatest population would have the greatest power. Right. So the Congress represented the per capita population. And so every district had its own congressperson, a congressman at the beginning, and then the state was divided up into demographic areas where each district had a congressperson. But the Senate only had two persons for each state, and that was the balance between the popular representation and the balanced representation for the state in a totally different context. And so the senators had a six-year term where the Congress people had a two-year term. Right. And, and originally, the senators were appointed. And then at some point, it changed so that they were elected. And, and so this was the balance that the founding fathers thought was necessary. That's why we have two different houses 
and two different kinds of representation. But the problem, of course, is that if nobody is representing the people, then, or if oh, not everybody is representing the people, as you're suggesting, Terry, mm-hmm. then we have a problem. And what happens to what happened to the checks and balances that we were supposed to have in government? Yeah, we we have these. These were supposed to be the judicial, the executive, and the legislative. Mm-hmm. And what what has happened is there's a, an overlapping between executive and legislative, and an overlapping between judicial and executive and legislative. And we don't have that that separation of powers that gives mm-hmm. a kind of balance to our government. And that's something that has to be corrected because yeah. otherwise our system of government is going to fail. And we need more than just Republicans and Democrats because all those two do are fight. Now all you can vote for is a Democrat and Republican and get them elected. Anybody else, they can run, but they're never going to get elected. It's not right. This is something that, that we've been talking about for a long time, a, a third-party candidate. A third-party candidate has never won an election, no. a, a major election. There are third-party candidates at local in local elections, but not in major elections. I understand that the third party was so that they could get votes away from either party. No, I think that many of the third parties actually have their own platforms. You had the Green Party, and yeah. they were they had their issues, and then you had the Libertarian Party, and they had their issues, which were um, more closely allied to the Founding Fathers. And each one of these parties have their own platform, their own mm-hmm. you know focus, but nobody ever wins in a national election. Now, we're going to take another short break, but we'll be right back with more civil conversation on some contentious subjects. I'm Alana Friedman, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud, and you're listening to Voice of a Nation. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at libertyatamericaoutloud.com. libertyatamericaoutloud.com. I want to put in a big word for healthy cell supplements. The GI tract is not functioning normally in long COVID syndrome. I'm convinced of it. There are multiple studies. We need a much better absorbed set of nutraceutical and vitamin products for long COVID syndrome, and that's healthy cell. They have an entire line that's safe and effective, uh, can help people through the long COVID syndrome. I found the best way to use healthy cell products is use them every day, not on and off, on and off. Take them every day consistently. The immune super boost, focus and memory, and the REM sleep supplement all have powerful effects in long COVID syndrome. Go to HealthyCell.com and in the promo code, type in out loud for 20% off your first order. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So why are you still taking vitamins that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if your vitamins aren't hard to swallow, it's time to upgrade to Healthy Cells pill-free, patent-pending microgel supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. They taste great, 
convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, -E and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Welcome back to the Voice of a Nation. I'm Alana Friedman, your guest host, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud. And my guests today are Terry Gerard and John Cornell. And we've been talking about some of the issues that are facing America today and how the riots of the 2020 summer may have influenced us and all of America as we face new challenges in 2022. Before the break, we were talking about the influence of a third party and how a third party candidate can influence an election. I just think that people who don't want to vote Democrat or Republican, but still want to vote, they'll vote for that third party and take away votes from either party. Well, that, and that's the, the reason, ones. yes, that's the reason we don't have that, that those third party candidates win because they're always being accused of draining votes from, mm -hmm. from Republicans or Democrats. And in fact, when I ran for Congress, my first race, I ran as a libertarian and I ran a against a Republican and a Democrat. And I got a phone call from somebody who said, how dare you run against the Republicans? You take votes away from you know, and and that was, uh, and she was very angry with me, and I was I was really kind of taken aback because I hadn't run into that before. But the problem is, a third party candidate can't usually get enough votes to be a real contestant. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we should do away with both parties. Yeah, and then what? eliminate them, and everybody vote for the person they think should be there, the best one that runs. And I think they should stop all the slander on the other party. If you start telling this guy is doing this, he's really bad, you should be kicked out of the race. We don't need to hear that stuff. Well, that, that, that's a question. How do you, in a free country, people are, and in this country, people are allowed to run for office. Right. And they may have backing and they may not, but they, and they may represent a party and they may not. But they have the right to do that if they can raise the money to do what is necessary to get the signatures and then to to run and advertise and whatever well, else you know. They're this, never going to get anywhere if you got Republican and Democratic fighting you. You can't do it. Okay, but here's another question then: If you have a kind of an open race, right, where there are no parties, how do you ever how do you ever elect anybody? In Israel, you vote for a party. You don't vote for a person. And there are multiple parties, as I said. But here's what happens. Nobody gets a majority. Right. So then you end up, and this is, this is something that happens in other countries, where there are multiple parties. You have an election. Nobody gets a majority. And therefore, once the party with the most votes has to form a coalition with other parties, and so the party that you not wanted, that the people may not have wanted, may end up in power because they have joined the party mm -hmm. that got the most votes. Right. So you have a totally different set of problems with that. 
But ours isn't working either because we basically got two people we can vote for. And then you have a problem. Right. If you wouldn't vote for either person. That's where we are now. I don't know how many times I've heard, well, I voted for the lesser of two evils. Yeah, or I held my nose when I voted. Well, basically what it's coming to is whoever's the best liar is the one that's getting voted for. (laughs) That's my feeling on the whole thing. All right. So then, then we have, you know, we have a lot of issues that we have to deal with. And the question is, we're coming up to a very important midterm. Right. So... How how do we how do we deal with this one? We're still fighting the last election. That's right. This movie, Two Thousand Mules, which exposed a lot of fraudulent activity in this last election, in the twenty twenty election, and and this is what many people feel is a fraudulent exercise because they don't believe it was a fraudulent election. Right. But on the other hand, there seems to be so much evidence and that this movie shows you what the evidence is. It's not just that it it talks about it, but it shows you the evidence. So we're, we're left in a situation where we have a, a very difficult enigma to work our way through. How do we sort through the argument, for example, that January 6th, was fraudulent because there was no fraud in the election, and therefore they should not question the uh, certification of this election. And on the other hand, you have people who say there was real fraud, and here's the proof. So, But where did they get the proof? Did they manufacture the proof? No. Or did they really have proof? Well, that's what this movie is about, and I, I think everybody should go see this movie and draw, draw their own conclusions. Because we're, we're having the same problem with our news. When they report things, which one's true? This station or this station? They're saying different things about the same event. So which is true? How do you prove which is true? And, and this that's is, our problem we're having now. This How is, do you form an opinion from yeah. things that could be true or could not be true or things that you actually don't believe because there's so much misinformation happening and coming toward you that you can't sort through it and make um, and make a, a good decision for yourself. How do you do it? Yeah, every election is this way. Who do you vote for? You can't tell because you don't know who's telling the truth. And, the, and the, I don't know that it was ever any different, except that now the media That's are taking sides, exactly and then they're, they're the ones who are giving misinformation. Now, if we limited every politician that runs to the exact same amount of money, yes. that cures a lot of it. Because now they can't go out and spend ten times more than this guy to get the media to do what they want them to do. That's a very interesting idea, yeah. That's one solution, maybe. What do you think, Terry? I think that campaign money is really questionable. I'd like to know exactly where that money goes. I would like to see the books and and, an honest list and a true list and account for where that money went. Did it go in some pockets? I've heard some things about some of the candidates. Where did their campaign money go? Where did wouldn't their followers want to know where that money went? You bet. And how? Well, how, how about if we do it this way? Every politician gets the same TV coverage, exact same. All right. 
They do not leave the state to do the votes. Okay. You've got to do everything by the TV, by what you reported. And it has to be word for word that they publish and have a record of it so that they can't change what the politicians actually said but, or what they've actually done. But the thing is, is there's advertising, there's marketing, but you there's a whole that. bunch of strategy. I'll give you an example of exactly what you're talking about, Terry. Uh, we got a call the other week about a local election for Congress. And it was one of the candidates saying, they were taking a poll, and the question was, um, what would you say to the following statement? Candidate X has taken money from a, a company that does business in China mm -hmm. and has taken money from a hedge fund and has taken money from some other organization that may be shady. Would this change your opinion of this candidate? And this was a this was a so-called survey yeah. by the opposing candidate. Right. Now, they didn't say that any of this was true. They just said, what would you say if I told you that? And would that change your opinion? Now, that is so dirty. Yes. Mm -hmm. And at that point, whoever is on that side needs to be dropped out of the race. You would think so. Yes. Yeah. They should okay. be eliminated at that point. Yeah, because that's just false advertising. That's the false only problem marketing. With that is, then the other team could say, "Well, I represent this," and get him kicked out of the race. It's it's not kicked out of the race. I mean, basically, it's dirty politics. It is. As far yeah, that as that was that was a very dirty thing, and I yeah. I was shocked when I saw it because I happened to know the candidate, and I I couldn't believe that that she would do such a thing. But th th you know, it's it's. It's what we're up against now, and how would what you're suggesting, John, change it? Well, if they can't change their stories, and the television programs or the news can't change what they said, they're going to go more by what they said, and you don't have any money coming from anybody because you're not getting paid for this. Yeah. Everything's being upfront. You get free TV coverage. You don't leave the state, so you're not advertising someplace else. You run from where you are, and you do it on the television. And the money comes from anywhere or just from the state? It, it comes from the parties that are running for them, and they do not solicit from anybody else. Interesting. I mean, most of these guys are going to be rich anyway, or they're not running. I think that politicians have their own particular skill sets. And it really depends on who is the best politician and who has the best skill to be a politician and who has the best strategy team and who has the best marketing team. Because these people, no matter what they believe in, they still have a team who represent, who make campaigns that represent them. Do you think there is any... Hope for America right now? Not if they don't change. I think it's I think it's really sad. It's just you just sit there and you can't believe it. And you can't believe anything. The perfect, and perfect example is COVID. What's true? Why don't they admit the fact that they're doing damage to people with their vaccine and they're not helping the people that are getting hurt by it? Well there there are several reasons. One is that we have people who are at the top of this pyramid of COVID manipulation 
um, who have been dishonest with us right. for whatever reason. And and uh, uh, the and the other thing is that we have a uh, uh, they have a vested interest in in making sure that we do what they say we do. Uh, they they that we do what they say we have to do. So are and, we turning into a dictatorship at this point? Well, this is is this the 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 path that we're on? Is this the fork in the road? Where we are now, is this election the fork in the road for the future of America? I believe it is. Oh, yeah. Do you? No doubt about it. Terry? I do. I do. I think um, with the vaccine, when this whole business started with the vaccine and everyone was like, yay, we're saved. And I got articles sent to me about what was in the vaccine, but I didn't believe it. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I got a vaccine for polio. I've never had polio. You get a vaccine for COVID, the next thing you know, the people are in the hospital with COVID. They just got the vaccination. Yeah. So how is that considered a vaccine? Well, this is the thing, you know, we, this is a conversation for another day, but we have talked yeah. about, you and I, about how this was a manufactured virus and how it has affected every aspect of our lives, including how the we relate to the government. And mm -hmm. this, this goes back to the politics that we're yeah, talking about. That's exactly it. It's all political. Yeah. And we're being forced to suffer through it. I think that individuals or the American people are really being overlooked. One of the areas that we really disagree on, the three of us, is Donald Trump. Uh, now, I happen to think that Donald Trump was an extraordinary president. I also think he is a bully, and I think that he is, you know, a lot more crude and crass than I would like my president to be. It's hard for me to listen to him talk. But at the same time, I think he was an excellent president. He accomplished a lot. He closed the border. He did built the wall. He, cre he, he started a project of, of peace in the Middle East that has never happened before, and it's working. He kept the promise of moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which is the capital of Israel. And unemployment was lower, and employment was higher among minority groups and women. And all of these things were things that he accomplished. The problem is that his style is so abrasive, and I have a problem with that, but I would still vote for him. Terry, I don't think you agree with me. I think that Trump is corrupt through and through. I have absolutely no trust for him. He's broken laws. While he was president, his family is also corrupt. Th this is an area where we yeah, may we don't disagree. Agree. Yeah, yeah. But, but I'll tell you one thing. I think I'd cut off my hand before I'd vote for Trump. <laughs> well, that's dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I agree Trump did some good. I'm not sure. If he was doing well, I know he wasn't doing it the right way. So he, if he bullied his way through everything, well, he's a bully, and I think yes. that's that. I think that's fair to say. But let me ask you this: If, if the, the next election is a contest between Biden or Harris and Trump, what would you do? Vote for a third party. Okay, that's fair. There yeah. will be somebody. I don't. I don't think I, I'll vote for mm. Biden. No, but I, my hope is that there become that there comes in a Republican, and if 
we happen to get a good Republican, I might vote for that Republican. Do you have anybody in mind? Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. And Biden, I don't think, is going to run again. What I would like to see are two fresh candidates. It's going to be very, very interesting about who is going to run. I don't think that we even count anymore, honestly. Oh, this is the thing we have to fight back against. This is America. We're Americans, and we don't exactly. we don't sit still for for tyranny, That's or right. we shouldn't. And so, this is you know we're we're on a station called America Out Loud, and that means that we should not take this sitting down right. mm -hmm. or lying down. We, we need to fight back, and we need to fight for our country. Well, I hate to say it, but if they keep going the way they're going, we're going to have a civil war. There's no way around it. I think you're right. We've seen it. We've seen it building, and at some point, people are going to say, enough. Yes. Because mm -hmm. we are not going to be a Marxist country. We're not going to be a socialist country. Well, we're already a trying to rewrite history, so you know it's coming. It's just a matter of when at this Exactly, point. and that's a whole other thing about this rewriting history. No. If you don't learn from history, you're destined to repeat it. And... And right now, what we need to do is learn from history so mm -hmm. we will not repeat what we have seen in Venezuela, we've mm -hmm. seen in other parts of the world, and we cannot let it happen here. We are America Out Loud. And that is a wonderful way to end this hour of The Voice of a Nation. It has been wonderful talking to you both, and I think maybe we have proven that, or we have demonstrated how important it is not only that we can talk civilly about things we don't agree with, but also that we are able to learn from each other and in these conversations and that we have to do more of it. So thank you both, Terry Gerard and John Cornell, for joining me today. This has been a wonderful conversation. I've learned from it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's the point. I'm Alana Friedman your guest host sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud, and you have been listening to The Voice of a Nation on the America Out Loud Network. <laughs> <laughs>